Greetings and welcome to the Random History Podcast. Today I'll be kind of expanding on the military history aspect as was seen in my last podcast. However, I will not be focusing on like a wider term. I know sometimes I focus on a wider concept. This time I'm going to focus on something that's more small. I'm going to talk about one of the largest cavalry charges of all time. Notice that I said one of the largest. The issue with finding the exact largest is that, well, sometimes historical records are exaggerated and there are often groups that are going to have larger cavalry forces than others. For example, as we know, the Mongol force was almost entirely cavalry, with the exception of auxiliaries that they recruited from other nations or kind of had in their forces. So pretty much most Mongol conflicts would probably outnumber any other cavalry charge just because all the Mongols on horses. So it makes it a lot more difficult to judge which one is actually truly the biggest. And also, as I mentioned, some records are not exactly perfect, so sometimes they'll be exaggerated, sometimes you won't know for certain, and sometimes they'll say hey, those are charged, but they won't mention how many men were on horses, how many were not, so I'm just going to focus on a specific one that's one of the largest. I'm going to focus on a cavalry charge at the Battle of Vienna. For those who do not know what the Battle of Vienna is, I'm going to talk a little bit about that first to kind of set the battle, set the background of my podcast and kind of what happened. So the Battle of Vienna happened at a place on what is called Kallenberg Mountain, which is a mountain that somewhat overlooks Vienna and is pretty close to Vienna on the 12th of September, 1683. And this was after the city of Vienna had been besieged by the Ottoman Empire for two months, as you probably know. The Ottoman Empire did control a large portion of the Balkans at one time and did manage to extend upwards near very close to Vienna. And this was considered a pretty big turning point for the like just the war in general and for the European history as this is basically when Vienna stopped being like this major menace, a major threat and it definitely weakened Vienna to a point in which they were not as much of a threat anymore. So this conflict was between the Ottomans or this battle was between the Ottomans and a bunch of their little like vassal states for those who do not know the Mong the Ottomans, sorry, I don't know why, but like I felt but basically vassal states are these states that were somewhat under the control of the Ottomans, but they were usually just tributary states or vassal states, basically like, they're, they're like a state, but they have basically have this obligation to help them, maybe we have an obligation to give you military support, maybe we have to pay tribute. Those are more tributary states, basically think of it like a lord somewhat, like you have your own turf, but you have to answer to a king. So they had the Ottomans and their vassals, they had Moldovia, Moldovia, Moldavia or Moldovia, I can never remember how to pronounce it. They got Wallachia, Transylvania, Upper Hungary, and the Crimean Khanate. So they had a bunch of vassals on their side while they were attacking the so-called Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, which was basically this confederation of both Poland and Lithuania, which was a very massive nation at that time. And then you got the Holy Roman Empire with all the little, like, side states and all the little other parts of them. Plus, we had, like, Austria, Bavaria, all the, all those guys, pretty much. And Wallachia was technically, like, officially helping out them, but they were secretly helping it. They were secretly helping out them, but officially helping the Ottomans. And this was about, there's probably about a total of 90,000-ish people who were helping the, like, the um, Europeans, why about 150,000 were helping the Ottoman side. I think, you know, whatever, the Europeans only had around 16,000 defenders, and this is basically what happens is that a force was sent to relieve the Vienna garrison as they had been besieged for a long period of time by the Ottomans, an attempt for them to basically conquer 
or take the city as Vienna as Vienna was an important city for them and it was just like a good city for them to capture. So I'm gonna talk more about the charge itself. But I'm first I'm gonna talk a bit about the battle. Basically, the Ottomans are the ones who attacked first, and they basically tried to interfere with the deployment of certain troops. The Germans struck back and lost a counterattack and took a bunch of key positions. And at this point, the Ottoman um, army had basically the European forces got the upper hand. They did a lot of damage, and they took and they ended up inflicting pretty heavy casualties and just doing a lot of damage and kind of fragmenting the Ottoman forces. However, at this point, the Ottomans were still intact. They just had like been somewhat broken up a bit. And then later on, the man, the guy in charge of the Ottomans launched a counterattack with most of his forces, but held back some of his more elite men to launch another attack. And they'd actually, like, intended to conquer the the um, fortress and city, basically, before the people who were intending on reinforcing the inhabitants of the city showed up. So the Ottomans filled in the survive, as you can probably tell. From what I said earlier, when the European arrival force arrived before the siege was over, they actually, interestingly enough, the Ottomans actually did intend to basically detonate a hole in the wall or detonate several holes using some mines that they had dug under using sappers, but these mines were disarmed. And if they detonated them, they probably would have, or possibly could have won. Then later in the afternoon, another, like, great, like, miniature battle... But I would, I guess I would call it a miniature battle. Other people might call it as part of the battle. But this was basically this fight between the Polish infantry who advanced on the Ottoman right flank. And instead of the Ottomans concentrating like the other battle with the relief forces, the Ottomans continued to basically try they basically wanted to try and force their way into the city, capture it and maybe use it as a defensive position before they could get beaten. Their goal was basically take out the city, then take out the relief force, but this probably played against them just because they couldn't really fight off the Ottomans be they couldn't really sorry, they couldn't really fight the Ottomans couldn't really fight off the Polish just because they weren't, they weren't committing enough of their forces. And this basically allowed the Polish the Polish forces to make very good, like, progress in their t- a capture and assault. They basically managed to take a village which become a headquarters of their s- charge later on, kind of a base of it later on. And at this point, got them into a very desperate position where they were basically cons- split between fighting the Polish and the Imperial forces and both forces, like, at this point, they decided to finish off the enemy. And they continued to push their assault, and they encountered more fierce resistance. And this basically, however, this fierce resistance collapsed after a little bit, and they managed to make even further gains. And at this point, they were actually very close to the central Ottoman positions. And at this point, they could see the Polish cavalry in action. Actually, no, as they were preparing the storm, the Ottoman position, they could actually see the Polish cavalry. And the thing to notice at this time, the king of Poland marshaled his forces in a massive absolutely devastating cavalry charge for those who do not know poland at this time as plain as the winged stars which was basically this pretty famous cavalry force they're also known as the polish stars but they're also called the winged stars and they they were essentially at first they were somewhat mercenaries or light cavalry who were exiled from the balkans but later on they became what is known as shock cavalry which is basically think heavily armed heavily armored Forces basically designed to break the enemy force. Think brutal efficiency. Think basically like special sh- troops who are designed to crush the army as hard as they could. And they became known as winged Tassars because basically they had this fairly pretty much fancy armor. And they no, they basically used a lance, a very long lance that was hollow but with two halves kind of stuck together. And it made out steel and basically could use them for range they could smash the basically enemy forces they also carried a very 
long, or not very, not necessarily super long, but a pretty long and very thin sword that was meant more for slashing or slashing, or could be used to, sorry, not slashing, it was meant for thrusting or stabbing. So they could basically use it, they could either go through chainmail or they could try to get through the swords. They also carried a much more powerful broadsword, which they could also use in fighting, which is kind of cool to see how much weapons they carried. And they also carried another several different weapons. They also sometimes carried war hammers or battle axes, and some of them would also carry pistols. So as you can probably tell, heavily armed. They'd also wear pretty impressive hussar armor. They had these like pretty impressive helmets, very good. They'd often have either male or they'd have usually some plate armor, some like solid armor with some scales or even a coat underneath. They'd also have retainers, and they'd have various other things, and their armor was only around 33 pounds, so it was relatively light, which meant that they was they have they had very good protection, but they could still travel relatively fast and go relatively quickly. And the name Winkasars actually comes from... So they were called the Winkasars, as I previously mentioned, and this, this basically came from them... So basically is that the Hussars wore what is technically a winged type device or like basically wings on their backs. And there's actually several different like reasons or several different theories behind why they wore these wings. Some say maybe it was very practical like protect the back so that it makes it harder for people to attack them. Some say shock factor similar to how like German use a Stuka dive bomb with these speakers. The noise is a shock effect. Maybe make them seem bigger. But basically, they had these giant wings on the back, which is actually where the name Winged Hussars comes from, which I think is just kind of a cool fact. And she was like, these were definitely shock troops designed to be, like, not just, like, shock combat-wise, but shock, like, psychological, like, scare people, terrify them as a way to help scatter them. And it's basically recorded that the, the Polish cavalry started off, so at first they kind of wanted to conserve their energy. They came out of the forest, and people began to cheer them because they, like, anticipated it. And by 4 p.m., they first entered into action. So basically... They battered the front lines and then began to approach the Ottoman center. Or not necessarily the Ottoman center, but like the forefront of the Ottoman center. On the battlefield. And at this point, the guy in charge of the Ottoman forces decided to retreat. And by this point, a lot of the forces of there had already been leaving. And around 6 p.m., this is basically their final blow. The Polish king ordered all ca a cavalry attack in four separate groups. And at this point, they launched a total of 18,000 cavalrymen. I think to note, the Polish King Zobieski actually did lead the Polish forces into battle. He led the entire charge, pretty much, and he was at the head of the 3,000 Polish winged hussars, who I just told you about, were pretty, pretty much these very impressive soldiers. And they were also backed up by a Muslim group known as Lipka Tartars, who are basically this Islamic group who practice a certain religion and served within like basically kind of Lithuania area and they were fought alongside them and this basically finished breaking the lines of the Ottomans who were already pretty tired and demoralized and this forced them to retreat and they continued to push onwards to the position this is the final blow and this ended up leading to them all fleeing and at the end this led to the Christian victory Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, folks. And this was actually. You know what? I'm gonna do a little bit more. I'll talk about like the significance of this battle. So this battle was pretty significant, just because it would lead to the 
reconquest of Hungary from the Ottomans and we kind of a temporary take back some Balkan lands. This would end up leading to a treaty and this is basically the, the historic end of the Ottoman expansion into Europe. And this would also end up kind of increasing this rivalry between Germany and France. And this would be a very major one. As we all know, the Ottoman conquests were a pretty important thing and this is kind of helped stop that. So that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next weekend with another two podcasts.